If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can always call this number 247-888-6ADVICE. You can also email those questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But during the show right now, you can call or text our studio line at 651-461-9226. Now here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Hello to both of you. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Denny. Hello, Peg. Hello, Denny Long. Uh, good to be with you both. Uh, Denny, Peg and I today and listeners are going to talk about, Peg, the title of the show today that in our outline is called Taxes Are On Sale. And over the next hour or so, we're going to explain what we mean by that. And we're also going to talk about uh, strategies and things that listeners can focus on between now in the end of 2025, and we'll talk about why that date is important, to lessen impacts, the, their tax impact on their lives. And, and I, I want to start out, and I know we're going to go down a lot of different roads here on this topic, but I think the key takeaway I want to start with is when we do financial planning, when we do comprehensive financial planning, we are looking for tax reduction strategies for our clients over a lifetime. And this is not a knock on tax preparers, it's not a knock on CPAs, it's not a knock on the, the consuming public, but I think people look at their tax situation and they want immediate gratification, they want to save taxes right now, this year, they want to pay less in this tax year, and the reality is, is that if you're doing long-range planning, sometimes you're better off paying a little bit more tax in the short term to avoid paying a lot more tax in the long term. And that's what we're focused on. We're focused on reducing your, your tax obligations over a lifetime. And right now, taxes are on sale. You want to talk about what we mean by that, Peg? Well, number one, Bruce, you of anyone would know that I love sales of any kind, right? <laughs> the promotion of a percentage off or, um, you know, a deadline of some kind of a sale. And that's how I see this, because back in 2017, there was the Tax Cuts and Job Act. And that is actually when this was made law, is that we are having reduced percentages of tax and actually raised amounts of income that we can have based on those tax rates. As an example, and I think we forget, right, 2017, that's a long time ago, but the current bracket today of 12% is going back to 15, and the 22 to 25, and the 24 to 28, and the 32 to 33, et cetera. It's all going up. And you know, I like what you said, Bruce, in that we um, talk about tax rates and taxes on sale or expensive every single year with our client. And I feel bad for people out there listening because you all just completed your tax return for 2022. And I bet any money that your accountant or your CPA or they were just swamped with tax returns in a very short period of time. Now, that is the preparation of, you know, meeting the IRS deadline to get your return in for last year. But last year is over. 
So, Bruce, what you said is the decisions that you make regarding your income or what I'm hearing from um, from clients is, you know, my accountant doesn't have time to walk through that strategy with me, you know, in 2022. Or listen to this, if they take them up on doing that, that costs more money. And so a lot of clients will say, um, you know, I don't necessarily want to pay that person. And so I said, you don't have to. We have our arms around your circumstance and we're able to coach you. But bottom line, um, and then I'll hand it over to you, Bruce, is how hard is it, though, to get people to pay tax today when they don't want to? It's like, why would I pay more? I mean, it takes some real convincing, right, Bruce? Yeah, that pegs. And so I like where you went right away, and I, I had this in my head, but you went there first. So we can talk about brackets. So the, the, the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act not only lowered the, the bracket, for example, there, there used to be a 25% bracket, now it's 24. And you say, well, 1%, no big deal. But the amount of money that you can make and be in that 25 or 24% bracket was increased from, for a married couple filing jointly from about 150000 to be in the top of that bracket to over 340000 to be in the top of that bracket, literally more than doubling the amount of income that you can be in that same tax rate. So it's not just the 1% change of 25 to 24. It's how much money you can make and still be in that bracket. Well, if nothing is done between now and, and uh, 2026 or the end of 25, the, the law that was passed in 2017 sunsets and everything resorts back to the way it was prior to the passing of that law. So, you, so you'll be back to a 25% bracket and with a cap on your income of about 150000 before you move into a higher bracket. So based on that sunset of the 2017 law, and, and then, Peg, I think just based on some logic and common sense, I think you know a lot of our older listeners right now will know what I'm saying is true, but some of our younger listeners might be shocked. Historically, we are actually in, by far, the lowest tax rates we've ever been in, in, in the history of taxes. Taxes essentially started in the 1860s to fund the Civil War. And there was a period of time, like from, from post-World War II until the 60s, the top income earners were in a 90% or higher tax bracket. I think at one time there was a 94% tax bracket. Even as recently as 1980, a married couple filing jointly, making about 100 grand a year, was in a 60% tax bracket. When you look at the history of where tax rates have been, you look at our current federal debt and deficit situation, and you look on the simple fact that unless we change the law before 2026, we are scheduled to go back to those higher rates. I think you can logically make the compelling case that taxes are not going down in our lifetime. They're probably going up. Now, I'm not trying to scare everybody. For a lot of people, maybe they'll stay the same or about the same, but I certainly, certainly don't think we should expect our taxes ever to go down in the future. So all this leads to this, this uh, topic today, why we believe taxes right now are probably on sale. 
And and that leads Peg. What what can or what people what should they be doing? Yeah. So one of the things, Bruce, is increasing your income. Last week we did an entire show on Roth conversions, and actually you can find that show on wealthenhancement.com backslash your money uh, if you want to listen to that. But that's a, an example of how you could increase your income for the year. Um, the IRS also last October announced changes to these uh, tax brackets and 401 plan contributions and estate planning and gift tax. There was what's called the Secure um, Act 2.0, so lots of changes coming there. But since limits are indexed to inflation, these adjustments um, are the biggest in decades that they're making even with your employer plan. So one of the things that we work on when people come into their reviews, and, and I want to clarify, Bruce, because you said this a couple weeks ago, um, when I talk about reviewing a client, doesn't mean that we're necessarily in front of them when we're preparing and reviewing. I just want to repeat this because I did also have a client say, oh, you never really um, talked about that you know, um, financial forecast that you ran for me. I don't think we've ran that for three years. And I went, oh, no, I run that every year. But if there isn't anything for me to, if there isn't something for me to tell you that you need to change, I don't talk about it because I've done the analysis. My team has done the analysis and we don't need to discuss it. That's the same thing with increasing your income. So if I believe a client should be increasing their income, given all the circumstances that I know about them, then I will propose taking or maybe doing Roth conversions or just taking an IRA distribution and having a tax now instead of growing in that um, deferred bucket. And what do I mean by that? You literally, and I think people are like, really? Why, why would I take out of an IRA and pay tax if I don't have to, and I'm not going to do a conversion? Yeah, you're just going to pad your savings account for future income, you know, while these taxes are lower. And so there's many reasons why we would tell people to um, increase their income. You call it, Bruce, you know, bracket soaking like you're soaking up a low bracket uh, and just taking advantage of those low brackets. And Bruce, I feel like December you know, 31st of 2025 is going to be here before we know it. So that's why we work on this every single um, day at Wealth Enhancement Group, trying to make sure that clients are educated and also if that we believe there's an opportunity for them. Bruce? Yeah, and 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 I, again, I like the the road you're going down here, Peg, because by by soaking up your your low bracket, if you're in a low bracket, now again, I say if you're in a low bracket, and again, what does low bracket mean? Well, even today, someone might say, well, 22% or 24%, that's not a low bracket, that's a high bracket. Well, not if it's going to be not if it's going to be higher in 2026 or the amount of income you can make in that bracket is a lot lower. So, again, nobody knows for sure where tax rates are going to go and when they're going to go there. The only thing we know for sure is that there will be change, but we don't know what it's going to look like or when it's going to happen. But, again, not to, not to be redundant, 
But we do know, based on history and based on what the current law is saying is going to happen, and just logic, looking at our federal debt and deficit, that I think, you know, again, we can make a compelling argument that you're probably never going to be in a lower bracket than you are right now. So let's soak up that low bracket. Let's take some distributions. Um, again, Roth conversion for many people is, a, is a, an effective strategy. But even if you don't do Roth conversion, if you want money for lifestyle, you might want to take it out of your tax-deferred plan, even though you're paying taxes. So, Peg, we talk on the show a lot about ripple effects. One of the ripple effects here also of taking withdrawals earlier from tax-deferred plans to soak up the tax bracket is we also reduce the overall size of that plan, and eventually we're going to get to an age, right now under current tax law at 73, we're going to get to an age where we lose some flexibility, where the government's going to mandate that we withdraw a certain amount of money out of these plans. Well, if that's a really, really, really big number, the required minimum distribution is a big number, and that might throw us into a higher bracket just to fulfill that required minimum distribution. So there's a ripple effect here that it's not just the overall income taxes over my lifetime, but one of the reasons that that income taxes over my lifetime might go higher is the, is the future of the required minimum distribution. So, so again, how does a person on their own or even with a tax preparer, how do they, how do they look at this 5, 10, and 20 years in the, into the future and know what they're supposed to do right now. Peg? Well, I think if you're out there independently thinking of what you should be doing, it's difficult, right? Because it's, I, I would say that personally, it's hard to get your arms around yourself. And um, especially if there's two of you working on that together for the family, or maybe one is taking the entire responsibility for the family when it comes to the money and what they should be doing. Um, I think that's the biggest reason that people call Wealth Enhancement Group because even if you're super smart and you know all the rules and you know what you could do, it's hard to put all the, that data together and say, oh, given all these circumstances, this is what I need to do. The other thing I wanted to mention, Bruce, is in what we're doing in our practice is we're triggering capital gains. So we're talking about increasing your income. So lots of clients say, oh, I don't want to pay any capital gains. Let's just defer all that. Well, eventually, maybe you need to use that money down the road, you know, to live on. Or, um, and I know if you hold it until you die, current, under current law, you get a step up on that capital gains. But yet, I'm creating paychecks for a lot of my clients. And it does make sense in some circumstances to just say, hey, we've done really good on this account. Let's take some capital gains now. And that, that'll, we know that will be in a lower bracket, probably, you know, knowing that, it, that this is sunsetting. So that was another thing, Bruce, that um, I didn't want to avoid talking about because it's not just pulling from an IRA. It's not just doing Roth conversions. You can create taxable income by capital gains. Bruce? So what we're talking about so far, again, is the idea that taxes are on sale right now. They're likely to be higher in the future, 2026 and beyond. 
and what what can we do right now in terms of long-term planning and we've been talking about increasing our income now to take advantage of the lower tax bracket but the other strategy and this may seem like we're uh, arguing with ourselves or counterintuitive there's also strategies of decreasing your income yeah, I, I, you know, there's a certainly an analysis on if you're in a higher tax bracket, you know, we encourage people to uh, defer within their work plan, right? So you can take uh, money out of your taxable uh, paychecks and put it in a 401k or a 403b and um, avoid that taxation. And the idea there, Bruce, is maybe probably you're not going to be in that super high tax bracket because when you retire, you're going to be in a, a different tax bracket. So that's a, kind of an opposite strategy where you want to fill that tax deferred bucket while you have that super high income. Also, if you're a business owner, you know, you want to be able to, to take deductions now while you have um, good fortune, right? Your business is doing well and you also believe you're going to retire one day. So uh, claim those business deductions. You know, check with your accountant or your CPA uh, if they're eligible. And then also decreasing your income today. We have so many clients that are philanthropic. You know, they have their favorite charities and um, a way that you can reduce your uh, income tax right now, especially for those who are in a high tax bracket, you know, giving to charities and getting that deduction. Uh, I know a lot of us you know, end up in that standard deduction, but um, we do use a tax strategy whereby uh, we may have a client put in 50000 100000 into a donor-advised fund, and a donor-advised fund allows us to put stock or cash of a of a higher amount, fifty thousand, hundred thousand, it could be ten thousand, and um, the calculation we do there is how many years do you have before your RMD, your required minimum distribution? And currently, for a lot of clients, it's seventy three years old. So let's say you're sixty six and you want to give to charity, but the charity you don't get the deduction because the standard is higher than that. We encourage them to to uh, take seven years worth of your charitable giving, give it in a particular one year, and then get all that deduction uh, in one year. So that's a little bit complex, but I wanted to talk about that strategy. And then lastly, these health savings accounts. You know, that health savings account is the best uh, tax-free entity thing that you could use. You know, it's just, if you get a deduction for putting the money in, you get to grow it if you want to tax-free. And by the way, when you want to pull it out for health-related uh, items, that's actually uh, it's a withdrawal that's tax-free. So anyone out here there that's not taking advantage of a health savings account and has the ability to have one should be taking them. So those are some ideas, Bruce, on the decreasing your income, especially if you're in a higher tax bracket. Yeah, we just uh, got less than two minutes before we go to break, so uh, I just want to 
uh, focus again. I'm glad you brought up health savings accounts, Bag. The HSA or health savings account, first of all, you have to be on a high deductible health insurance plan. Some people shouldn't be, um, so we get that. But if you are on a high deductible plan and the high deductible plan is appropriate for you, um, then you're eligible for these HSAs. And we, we again, can't overemphasize in my, in my practice what I see, Peg, a lot of people that are eligible either aren't participating or they aren't maxing out or putting in as much as they can. And this is like a supercharged IRA on steroids. You know, the traditional IRA, you get a deduction for the contribution, but you pay taxes when you make a withdrawal. The Roth, you don't get a deduction, but if under certain conditions, the withdrawals are tax-free. On the HSA, like you said, you get both. You get a deduction for the contribution like a traditional IRA, and if you take a withdrawal for qualifying health care expenses, you don't pay any taxes on the gain. That's a powerful strategy that's being underutilized. So, Denny, let's do this. We'll uh, After the break, we'll, we'll tie a bow around our discussion on taxes on sale, a couple uh, last thoughts, but also we'll get listeners involved in the second half of the show. Very good, Bruce. We're already getting phone calls and text messages, and uh, you can join the uh, crowd. Just call or text or studio line at this number, 651-461-9226. Keep in mind, if you think of a question midweek, you can always call this number, 888-6-ADVICE. But do uh, call or text our studio line now at 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more of your money. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24-7, 888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. But during the show, like right now, you can call or text our studio line, 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Danny Long. Thank you, listeners, for staying with us. If you joined us late, Peg and I are talking about taxes being on sale and some strategies and some things uh, for consideration. Uh, Peg, I know there's a couple more things that we can hit on, but, Denny, if we've got somebody on hold, let's take a caller. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, let's go to the phones right now. Uh, David, uh, you've been waiting. Thank you so much. Uh, what is your question, please? Well, good morning, Denny, uh, Peggy, and Bruce. I'm, I'm actually shifting topics a little bit. Uh, just the segue is my vision for the future shifted. And it's about divorce and remarriage and financial planning, the basics of love and money, because your money mm-hmm. tends to follow your heart. My heart has shifted. Um, would you like a 30-second summary? Sure. I would, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm 59. I've got three adult uh, children. They're independent. I've been divorced for about 12 years. I'm in decent financial shape. You know, thought I'd live out my days as a single man. Um, but, you know, met a woman, and my heart shifted. And uh, she also is divorced, has, uh, she's about my age, three adult children. So I've been thinking, you know, if we end up married, there, there's more kids in the picture. And, uh, you know, part of me embraces, you know, loving or leaving joint assets to six kids. And part of me feels like pursuing my heart is taking money from my own kids. It's just kind of confusing. And I thought, well, Bruce and Peggy have seen this scenario countless times. Uh, they've seen a variety of options and solutions. So, uh, yeah, just I'm just interested in hearing just some broad things of what you've seen on some of that later in life shift of priorities. 
Ted, uh, you, you, I know, had a lot of clients probably with similar experiences to David. Your thoughts? Yes, uh, so many clients. Thank you, David, for uh, giving that detail because we have conversations around this every single day. And I like how you said your heart because, and I actually have goosebumps right now, because when I have discussions with clients, and they, of course, we want it all, right? We want to live the life that we want to live, um, have the money, the resources to be able to do that. But then these kids, and I would say more so now that I have a grandchild, is, I, I mean, my heartstrings are, I would love to be able to help, you know, with that grandchild. And so um, some of the things that we do, uh, we have to bring a level of confidence to our clients that, number one, they have a license to spend this much. And how do we do that? Well, we are comprehensive planners. So we take all sorts of things into consideration. The life that you're leading right now um, and what are you spending? I mean, we ask clients to detail out their expenses because uh, we have to get those people like you, David, to have, feel confident that you're going to be able to live your life. Then secondly, if it's important to you for that next generation to get some of your wealth, there is a couple strategies that you can do, and my clients have done them, where let's just make it an even million dollars. And you'd say, oh, I'd love to get a million dollars to my three kids when I pass. Now, mind you, that might be decades of time, right? But it's but it's something you value and something that you want to do. So clients have purchased a million dollar life insurance policy. And they and why do they buy life insurance? Because if they know that they have to pay this premium to uh, fulfill that wish of theirs, that they would get money to their children, then that takes the burden off them. It's almost like you get this license to spend because you used a strategy you know, on the side to be able to do both. <clears throat> so that would be just one idea. Bruce? Yeah, David, and uh, you've touched a lot of listeners, and, and we've seen this with a lot of clients. Um, a couple of thoughts. You know, you mentioned your heart, and I agree with Peg. I'm, I'm glad you, you spoke that way because I think sometimes, Peg, people look at us and think financial advisors are like just economical and robotic and all about money. And that's not the case at all. It's about quality of life and, and what's important to you and what do you value. And money is a tool to help you achieve those things, whatever they are. And everybody's different. So, David, in, whatever's in your heart, there's no right or wrong answers here. It's emotion. It's you. It's your feelings. But what I would tell you is, Whatever you decide you want to do, how you treat your children versus her children, leaving a legacy or not, how big is the legacy, all these things are achievable with planning. So whether it's a financial advisor and or an estate planning attorney, you can do anything you want to do. You just have to communicate clearly to your financial advisor and to your attorney what it is you want to do. And, and, I, and I will tell you it's doable. And, but only you can decide, or you and your new spouse, what, you know, what, what, what those decisions are going to be. And, Peg, I want to pick up the baton from you 
Um, you, I didn't know, obviously, we didn't know we were going to go down this road. We didn't know David was going to ask this question. But you brought up life insurance, and now I'm going to tie it back to our topic of the day of taxes being on sale. So one of the strategies that we often use as a legacy planning strategy is to actually use withdrawals from an IRA as the funding vehicle or the premium for a life insurance policy for the next generation. And if you look at leaving an IRA to the next generation, you're leaving an account with a tax lien on it. So whatever the total is in that IRA, they don't get 100 cents on the dollar. They have to pay the taxes on it when they take the withdrawals. And under current tax law, they've got to spend that down to zero within 10 years. So I, I, I'm, I'm fond of saying I, IRAs are a good investment. It's a good strategy, but it's not good money to die with. So if you want to leave a bigger legacy, you take those withdrawals out of the IRA, soak up your low tax bracket, pay the tax on the withdrawal, then take that net amount and use that as the premium to fund a life insurance policy, and you end up leaving your kids a lot greater sum of money probably than was in the IRA anyway, and then life insurance is income tax-free. So it's a planning strategy whereby you leave more for loved ones. The life insurance is not quote-unquote for you per se. You have enough assets presumably that when you predecease your, your, your spouse or your significant other, the assets that are still there, they're going to be fine. They can, they, they can maintain a good lifestyle even if you're gone. But, 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 Pat, but it's a way or a strategy, again, looking in your heart of doing more for loved ones without detracting from your own lifestyle. So, Peg, actually, you know, what you brought up about life insurance in response to David fits right in with what we're talking about today and taxes being on sale. Um, Peg, maybe before we go back to questions, anything else that you wanted to make sure we talked about today and communicated to listeners that are key in terms of this concept that taxes are on sale today? Yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention today was um, there, there's still a lot of confusion about withholding. So we're talking about increasing your taxes, decreasing your taxes now, but withholding, uh, as far as the IRS is concerned, is important, right? So you need to take, um, you need to uh, give the IRS money throughout the year. So when we're gainfully employed, Bruce, we can just tell payroll to take so much out for federal and so much out for state. But once you're retired or you're self-employed, you also are obligated to pay in, and there's this thing called estimated taxes quarterly. So one of the things that we do is work with our client and just say, <clears throat> okay, we can help you with these estimated or your tax provider will help you and say, here's your stubs for the next quarters that you have to send in. But the big point I want to make here today is if indeed you are pulling money out of an IRA, you can take withholding from that IRA. So if you're going to take it for cash or you're going to do a Roth conversion or um, you have a required minimum distribution, all of that counts towards your credits, if you will, for the year. But what a lot of people don't know, Bruce, is I could take a withdrawal on December 15th uh, from uh, the client's IRA and then they may not have to do quarterlies, you know, throughout the year because their plan is 
to take all that federal and state out of the IRA. So just wanted to bring this up because I still feel like there's a lot of confusion around, number one, withholding, when do I have to do it, and whatever you do, don't have me pay a 5% penalty because that's just the starting percentage of what the IRS will tack on if you don't uh, get the money to them in a timely manner. Bruce? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Good point. Uh, Denny, uh, if we have more uh, calls or texts, let's let listeners uh, take us home. Yes, indeed. And before we get to those text questions, Mike, I think, has been hanging on the line there to ask you a question. Thank you, Mike. What is your question? Yes, uh, thanks, Denny. And uh, Peg and Bruce, I want to really thank you very much for all the advice you've given over the years. You certainly have helped me. My question today is, uh, soaking up the bracket with the new change in Minnesota state law regarding tax on Social Security, um, middle-income people have to be concerned about that and not go over the numbers. So if you would talk about the the uh, impact of uh, no tax on your Social Security, how that has increased, and uh, incorporate that with soaking up the tax brackets. Hey, uh, Mike, thanks for your kind words. We appreciate that. And thanks for the excellent question. Peg, have you looked at this in any detail at all about how this is going to work in terms of Minnesota residents avoiding taxes on their Social Security benefit? Well, yes. And um, it's just like anything else with the tax uh, reform and things, it's uh, particular dollar numbers that you have to stay under. But you know what? That's something we have to do every day because as we're talking about raising income, lowering income, we already have some invisible things, and I call them invisible because they're not right in your face when you're doing your taxes or you're doing some tax estimates, and one being Medicare. So if you are 65 and older and you're on Medicare, you are on a tier, and you're on a tier of how much you're going to pay monthly for Medicare based on what your income tax looks like. And it's your gross income. And by the way, it's called modified gross income. So there's even some hidden income that doesn't show on your tax return that you have to add back, like tax-free municipal bonds. That doesn't get taxed on your real tax return, but you have to add it back. So we're used to that ripple. The second ripple we're used to that doesn't show up on your tax return is several people in Minnesota, um, and that's the state that I know well, get property tax credits. So you don't, even though you get this uh, bill in the mail and it says you owe this much for your property taxes, if you are lower than a particular income, you actually get a reduction and you get a check in August. So that's already a ripple. So when it comes to this Social Security revision, it's just another ripple, and it is something super important to take into consideration because in a lot of cases, like the Medicare, we can't be $1 over or you're going to end up in the higher bracket. So it is a best effort, though. Does that mean that we have that crystal ball and know everything that's going to ripple? Well, we're pretty highly educated about what ripples and uh, the clients that do their tax returns with Wealth Enhancement Group, our folks take care of that. And, but on the team level, we're doing estimates, you know, during the year for clients, you know, th- th- would this capital gains make sense? 
Does a Roth conversion make sense? What are the ripples based on that? Independently, I don't know how people can do that themselves unless they, you know, have some kind of a turbo tax that they can go run their own scenarios. Or I would suggest that you contact your uh, CPA or your tax advisor during the year, not after the year is over and wonder how you're going to fall. Bruce? Yeah, and the only thing I would add, Peg, and, and again, Mike, it's a, it's a great question and it is new just based on the legislative session that uh, was just completed uh, in the state of Minnesota. But at the federal level, we've actually been taxed on our Social Security benefits, you know, forever. And it, it, to the people that say that doesn't seem fair, um, we paid in the FICA all the years we were working. Now when we take the money out, they're going to tax it. Don't, don't, don't complain, Meg and I. We didn't make the law. That's just what it is. But to this idea of trying to manipulate taxable income, that's always been true because the tax, not, again, not only ordinary income taxes, but the tax on your Social Security benefit can be impacted by how much income you have. So there, there's ripple effects on your Medicare Part B premium. There's ripple effects on can we manipulate and have a pay at a lower tax rate on our Social Security benefit at the federal level, not just the state level. And again, weighing this balance between how do I maximize efficiency for this calendar year as, as, uh, you know, as opposed to what it's going to look like 5, 10, and 20 years from now. Again, it's not an exact science, but it's something you should be doing today. You don't wait until you're re retired to start doing retirement tax planning. You start doing retirement tax planning right now, years and years before you even get to retirement. So, Mike, it's a really, really, really good question, uh, and you know we're going to see we're going to see more on that as we go forward in terms of taxes on Social Security. A lot of listeners, know, first of all, a lot of listeners are not in the state of Minnesota. Those of you that are probably know that Minnesota was one of the very few states that actually charges a state tax on your Social Security benefit. For a lot of you, that's going to go away. Um, that's so that's the good news. But you're still going to be uh, obligated at the federal level. Text, calls. Yeah. Yes, here's a basic one. You both had mentioned uh, the topic last half hour. Uh, can Peg explain RMD beginning at age 73? Peg, required minimum distribution. Yeah, so I mentioned that Secure uh, 2.0 that went through <clears throat> um, late last year. And what they did was is they changed the required minimum distribution age to 73. <clears throat> that didn't change the age for everyone who was already in the required minimum distribution um, payouts. So it's just someone that is entering into 73 years old and beyond. And actually, it's going all the way up to 75 years old, but it spans over 10 years. The question about required minimum distribution is the IRS has a table and it shows you a factor and a percentage that on the balances of 1231 the year before that you have within an IRA, you need to pull out a percentage and that will be taxable. As we mentioned last week on our Roth conversion show, you cannot do a Roth conversion with a required minimum distribution. After your required minimum distribution is taken out and taxed, you can choose to do over and above that required minimum distribution and do a Roth conversion. So 
Um, that's something that's mandated that you have to take out. The other thing I wanted to add here, Bruce, is there's still some confusion. If you have three IRAs, do I have to take out a percentage from all three? No, you can get the required distribution numbers on all three and then decide you want to take out of number one uh, IRA instead of maybe you like the investments in number two and three and you want to just take out cash in number one, you can uh, choose to do that. Bruce? Yeah, and that also, you know, one of the things that I do often, Peg, and I suspect you do also, is consolidation. If, if a new client comes in and they've, and they've got multiple IRAs in multiple places, I look at to what extent can we consolidate these and have less accounts and less confusion. And again, if I might recommend even that everything comes under our umbrella or our roof. And the cynic might look at me and say, well, that's because you know, you're greedy or you're selfish or you're giving advice in your best interest. No, I'm a fiduciary. I'm always going to give my client the best possible advice. The advantage to the client is wealth enhancement will look at that RMD situation for them. We will determine, number one, what's the dollar amount? And number two, if there's multiple accounts, where's the best account to take it from? But if that client has the other IRAs and other places that we don't know about, then it really limits the amount of advice we can give. We can just advise them on the accounts that we have. So there's certainly benefits to the client to do some uh, consolidating. Denny, can we sneak in one more? Maybe another quick one. Here it is. My tax guy says I'll be paying more taxes when I retire than I am now. What can I do about that? I'm 66, planning to retire when I'm 70. I'm maxing out my HSA. Big, really quick. We got about a minute. Well, I think everything that we talked about, about raising your income now, a couple reasons, because we're under this sunset provision on January 1st of 2026, lower tax brackets right now. And the reason that you're probably going into a higher tax bracket is because you are going to have Social Security. Maybe you're not taking it till 70. Maybe you're going to have, you know, required minimum distributions on IRAs. If you're 66, I would start pulling money out now to lower your income for the later years. Yep, soak up soak up the bracket you're already going to be in anyway. Start doing it right now. That's probably the biggest thing we can tell you in the time we have left. Denny, nice job today, sir. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, we'll welcome folks again uh, back next week, we hope, with uh, more questions. And again, if you think of something midweek, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. You can call this number 24-7, in fact, 888-6-ADVICE. You can always email questions to us at yourmoney@wealthenhancement.com. But do keep in mind that uh, toll-free number you can call uh, midweek, if you like, 888-6-ADVICE. The email again, yourmoney.com at wealthenhancement.com. We hope you join us again next week with more of Your Money.